Well, good morning, everyone. It's great to see you back after our snowpocalypse of a week. It's good to see you. It's good to be able to gather together. Although we were here last week, but man, it's been a snowy week. Uh, thanks for braving the Arctic Marysville temperatures this morning to be here. Um, welcome to Marysville Church of the Nazarene. We are glad that you're here, whether you're here in service or joining us online. We're glad that you're here. We're glad that we can worship together. Just want to uh, remind you that our collectives are starting this week. We actually, our first one, the marriage one is starting tonight. Uh, five, five, five in here, in the same. Okay, okay, so marriage marriage isn't in here, but the marriage class, marriage collective is in here at five. Kids will be over in the gym. Uh, on Tuesday, we have financial peace starting, and I, I don't know where that one is going to be, so I can't give you that information. It will be at the bank, at the bank, yes. They're handing out free money if you complete the course. They're not. Just kidding. It's just a joke. Don't go to the bank and say, no, Pastor Josh said that they were... Uh, anyway, that's Tuesday, and then on Wednesday, the, uh, the How to Read the Bible Collective starts. That will be in the Upper Sanctuary, or the Next Gen Zone, uh, which is over that way, uh, and that will be at 6.30 on Wednesday. So we're looking for, I, I was looking at the sign-up sheets uh, online yesterday, and uh, I'm excited. There's a, there, yeah, there's, a, there's a lot of kind of buzz, and there's going to be a lot of people that are gathering, and so we're excited to see what God does uh, through those collectives. Again, not just the... Um, not just the content, but the potential relationships that come uh, out of those. So we're, we're looking forward to seeing you. Um, just a reminder that we do have uh, connection cards in front of you. Uh, if you'd like to communicate with staff or just let us know that you're here, there's also a digital version. Uh, you can scan and do that. There's a digital version online, I believe, for the live stream as well. Just our way to kind of uh, stay in contact, make sure that we have up-to-date contact information. We are, this month, we're donating uh, a little bit of money to Faith Promise for every card that comes in, so just a little bit of incentive to, uh, to get those in. Well, uh, let's stand, and then let's pray together, and let's join in worship. God, thank you so much uh, for this day. Thank you for the opportunity to gather together, to, to be here as a family, to gather in person and online as a family to, to worship. We talked about last week having a shared purpose, and so our shared purpose right now as a community is to worship corporately. And so we will do that through, through music, we will do that through uh, teaching from, from Scripture, we'll do that through prayer, and we'll ultimately do that in the way that we respond to all of those things. And so God, would you make your presence known to us here during this time. May all that we do be honoring and glorifying to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Has filled our hearts. 
Wonderful to see all of your beautiful faces. Um, we're going to sing the new song that we sang last week. Um, everybody's so excited. <laughs> and I uh, mistakenly said it's a fast song. It's not really all that fast, but it's groovy and it's great. So if you missed it last week, um, here it is. This is a new song. It's called Your Name is Power. And uh, I hope you're blessed by it.
that once was crowned with thorns is crowned with glory now. The Savior knelt to wash our feet. Now at his feet we bow. The radiance of perfect love It now shines for all to see Your name Your name, your name is victory All praise will rise things new, isn't he? He used to be praised. I have a scripture to read from, to you from 1 John, but before I read this, um, I was just reminded of something, you know, that happened this week. I was actually talking with my kids 
and Chris at separate times and just talking about the idea of Jesus being our shepherd and that he says the sheep know his voice and they know it because they've listened and they've heard over and over and over again and so they know it to be different as opposed to if they're hearing this for the first time and everybody's saying hey come follow me come follow me come follow me come follow me they're like who do I listen to <laughs> right but they know their own shepherd because they hear it and they have practiced listening to it repeatedly and they trust it and they're able to pick it out of the crowd oh that's that's who I'm following right and praise praise God that he's given us the Holy Spirit that can guide us in that right so I'm gonna read read here from first John chapter 4 dear friends do not believe every spirit but test the spirits to see whether they're from God because many false prophets have gone out into the world this is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and even now is already in the world. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Praise his name. They are from the world and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world and the world listens to them. We are from God and whoever knows God listens to us, but whoever is not from God does not listen to us. And this is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. Friends, I know I feel like I'm talking about this a lot, but do I ever wanna hear from the spirit and live a life that follows where the spirit leads and guides? Right? We're gonna sing this song <laughs> that uh, kind of makes me laugh because like, it seems obvious the Holy Spirit is welcome in this place, right? He's here, where two or three are gathered, he's in our midst. But something about us singing this and proclaiming it directs our hearts towards him. It says, Holy Spirit, we wanna be led by you. We wanna hear your truth. We seek you now. We guide you. If you want to come kneel at the altars or kneel in your seat, feel free to do that. Or just cry out this song as we welcome uh, the Holy Spirit here.
Set us free, O God, from the bondage of our sins and give us the liberty of that abundant life which you have made known to us in your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Well, good morning. Um, I brought this to share with you this morning, and I'll be honest, right now it looks pretty pitiful, but I promise I had completely inflated it before church started. Literally, as I was walking in, I was finishing, and I, I put the plug in, and then I'm just sitting it and watching it sit on the floor, and it is rapidly losing air. And I was like getting kind of disgusted because I'm like, wait, that's not where I wanted to start with this. It was supposed to be full, and I realized it has a, it has a small leak in it somewhere. But then as we've been singing, I've just, I've just been praying and be like, okay, Lord, where do you want to take this? Because this is not what I expected. And he's like, you know what? Because I was going to talk about how challenging life is and that sometimes it just squeezes it and I was going to start to let the air out. And like, that's already been done for me. And I didn't have to do anything. <laughs> and you know what I thought? You know what? Sometimes that's just how life feels, right? Like you wake up in the morning, you're ready for a day. And by the time lunchtime comes around, you're like, <laughs> what happened? <laughs> or you're getting your kids ready for church in the morning. And I know how that goes. And you're like, come on guys, get your shoes, get all of this. And before you know it, you're like, you guys show up at church and y'all kind of look like this. <laughs> so <laughs> this month with our kids, <laughs> we're talking about the challenges that sometimes come with, with following Jesus. We're looking at some more of his ministry and his life. And if there's ever anyone who, who had a challenging life, we can say that it was, it was Jesus. And um, sometimes the uncomforting part is that he also promised that we were going to have uncomfortable lives as we followed him, that we would have trouble in the world. But then he encourages us to say, well, don't worry, like I've overcome that. And so Jesus, in the midst of his ministry, spent a lot of time with people. And I don't care if you're the most extroverted person in the world, and I feel like I probably tend towards that end of the spectrum. At some time, at some point, being around people can be challenging. It can, let's be honest, like kind of suck the, suck the life right out of you. There's, there's situations where you are having to pour so much of yourself into that that you kind of end up out of, out of air like my poor wimpy ball over here. And so even if people are what charges you, there's still a point when you're like, okay, I've given, I've given all I've got to give. And so this week with our kids, we're talking about another uh, time in Jesus's ministry where he was just healing lots and lots of people. I mean, that's what really would draw people to him. They would want to hear his stories. He was an excellent storyteller, but also they knew that there was something special about this man because he actually had power to heal physical illnesses, but also those invisible illnesses, those things where people would just walk away from him changed. And it's easy to read through all of that really fast and get this picture of Jesus just that every day he woke up and he's serving and serving and serving and serving. But there's a couple of verses in our story today. It's in Mark 1. And it talked about how Jesus woke up early in the morning, went away to a secret place and prayed. And I've been thinking about that and going, Jesus was here as a man, what Amy read today, I was holding my breath because I was, I was like, I think she might read the same verse I'm going to read to you, but she didn't. But Jesus was here as a man. And so if we get tired and we get exhausted, he did too. If we find that we have served and poured out of ourselves so much, Jesus knows what that felt like. And so when Jesus was feeling deflated, when the air had been left out and he needed a recharge, he gave us a really great example of where we can turn to. This first quarter, um, a spiritual habit that we're talking about with our kids and encouraging our, our families is the spiritual habit of spending time with God. If I have poured myself out so much, I need to know where to go to recharge. I need to know how to teach my children how, how to really recharge. Because a lot of times we will say, oh, I just need to lay on the couch and watch TV all day. I just, I just need a day to veg and be by myself and just do nothing. But can I be totally honest? If I've laid down on the couch like this to watch TV all day, 
I'm getting up at the end of the day pretty much still like this, right? That does not feed my soul. It numbs my mind. It distracts me. But that is not where, where my life comes from. And so I would challenge you this week, like, let's be, let's be parents that when we see our kids coming to us deflated, when we see our kids coming to us and we know that they're challenged, they're, they're experiencing challenge, they've had a rough day, that we show them where to go. Maybe we take them into Zephaniah and we tell them about how God rejoices over them and he sings over them that they are dearly loved by him. And maybe we walk them through other verses that talk about how they are chosen that he has prepared them to do great things. It might be challenging, but he is there with them. Let's not let our children settle for counterfeit ways to fill themselves up. Now, this ball is going to still keep leaking air, and I want my kids, as I'm filling them up, I want them actually to keep leaking that around to the people around them because life is going to continue to have those challenges. But would we know where to go for life. When we believe our memory verse this week or this month is from 1 John 5, 5, and it says, who will overcome the world? Only the one that believes that Jesus is the son of God. And so like Amy was saying, if we believe Jesus is the son of God, then we believe that he is who he says he is, that what he says is true. And if he says we need to spend time alone with our father, that that, that means something. So if we want to overcome, if we want to not constantly give in to the challenge and the pressure and the squeezing of the world around us, we have to constantly be putting more life in, breathing it in. It doesn't happen just by sitting here. It comes by reading our Bible, praying. And I think we can really, really change the next generation if we are doing that with our children. So I'm going to invite Pastor Josh to preach this morning, and I have no idea actually what he's about to say, but I'm really trusting the Holy Spirit is going to wrap it all up. Mara, what I'm going to say is that I, I wish that my beach ball would stay inflated a little bit longer than the time it takes to get from up here to your seat. <laughs> that is one pitiful beach ball. <laughs> and sometimes I feel like a pitiful beach ball, right? Well, we have been um, working through this series called Better Together with this idea that we're working towards a, an ever-expanding and ever-deepening community. And man, as I was sitting, standing back in the back and, and singing, especially those last two songs of, of resurrection and the Holy Spirit, like I, that is how we are better together. Right, like it's because of the resurrection and the resurrecting power within us, and it's because of the presence of Christ through the Holy Spirit that we are better together. Right, that's what separates us from any other random gathering of people the power of the Holy Spirit in us. That was totally free, that was not a part of my notes, but as I'm standing back there singing, I just can't help but man. This is how we are able to be what we are called to be, by that resurrecting power through the Holy Spirit. Anyway, back to what I'm actually going to talk about. Last week we talked about this word koinonia, and that's koinonia is the correct pronunciation there. Koinonia, we, we established that. Uh, if you don't watch our, our podcast in the middle of the week, we kind of we figured that out. It's koinonia, right? Koinonia. We looked at Acts chapter 2. Uh, Acts chapter 2 is kind of the, the start of the church and, and, and what the, the early church looked like. And there's this idea of koinonia, which is kind of fellowship, but it essentially boils down to having a shared purpose. Again, when we gather, when we are better together and we, we gather together, it's, it's not just a random just uh, mix of people. We gather together with a shared purpose. Purpose and in Acts two, uh, forty two and on, it kind of the, the scripture talks about this idea that that all of the people that were gathered together were of one mind and had everything in common. Now, again, if you listen or watch the podcast that we put out, like I part of my mind there goes like, okay, to to what extent, right? Like, to what extent is everybody? Together? Does that mean that everybody thinks alike and, and is just totally? alike and, 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 and says the same thing and acts, and I'm picturing this like, 
room full of cloned people where everybody is the same. Everybody's the same one mind and everything in common. And it sounds a lot like kind of an echo chamber to me, right? Like it's easy for me to, uh, it's easy for me to surround myself with people who, who think like me, right? That's, that's what we do with social media, right? Like I'm going to, I follow people that I, that I, think alike, right? Like, so, so I'm always f- filling my mind and surrounding my people with this, this echo chamber. Is that, like, is that the picture that is being painted here in the early church? Like, if, is this picture of being better together, shared purpose, one mind and everything in common, does this mean that everyone is exactly alike in all aspects? No. It would be easy for us to take passages like Acts chapter 2 and come up with that idea, though, that everyone has to be exactly the same. But can I tell you, that's why we don't just cherry-pick particular passage, passages of Scripture to make them say what we want them to say, right? We don't do that. We don't just read particular parts of Scripture and get ideas like that. We take the Scripture as a whole and we and we see it as this this entire story of God and we look at things and so we don't just take this to say oh well that means that everybody is going to be exactly alike in our better together community and it's going to be just fine well we're going to fast forward just a little bit from that time that moment in time where where the church had started gathering together in in Acts chapter 2 the church had expanded as we saw at the last uh, section of our reading last week. 3,000 were added to them that day. As you continue to read, uh, thousands and thousands of more people were added to this community, and the community began to spread. And as this community, as this church was spreading, we eventually find this guy named Paul kind of coming onto the scene, and, and he starts ministering and continuing the spread of this church into different areas. One of those places that Paul kind of spread that message to was in a city called Corinth. Now, Corinth has a little bit of an interesting history. Corinth had once been a very prominent city. It was in a prime location for, for merchant and entrepreneurship, and it was, a, it was kind of a, it was a happening place. Like, it was, it was prominent. But then the Romans came in. As you know, the Romans uh, came in to conquer and colonize uh, essentially all of the land that they could. And in the midst of Rome's quest to conquer the world, it had left Corinth in ruins. Now, this is like 150 years before Christ that Corinth had been left in ruins. About 100 years later, though, Corinth had started to rebuild. It eventually became one of the Roman cities. Now, again, like I said, because of its prime location... Uh, for, mer- for merchants and entrepreneurs, it became a prominent city again. In fact, it actually became a capital city of one of the Roman provinces. Because of this rich history in this city, you can imagine there was a lot of diversity in this particular location. There were Roman veterans who had been given land grants that took up residency in Corinth. Now, merchants of all sort had started to come back to Corinth as it was being rebuilt. There were many Jews who had been given commercial opportunities that they just simply could not pass up. And then there was also a kind of a sprinkling of Phoenicians and Phrygians from the east that had all landed in this city. One historian described the city this way. That it's a mongrel and heterogeneous population of Greek adventures, Roman bourgeois, I can never say, bourgeois, <laughs> that's a fun word, with a tainting of a few infusion of Phoenicians, this mess of Jews, ex-soldiers, philosophers, merchants, sailors, freedmen, slaves, tradespeople, hucksters, and agents of every vice. And it's in that diverse context that Paul starts the Corinthian church. And if you think for a moment that this hodgepodge group of people were exactly alike in all aspects of their lives, then I'd suggest that, you, that your understanding of a diverse group is seriously lacking. For this group, this diverse group of people to be gathered together in the Corinthian church 
They weren't exactly alike. Of course, they didn't all think alike. Of course, they didn't all act alike. They didn't all have the same views. Of course, they didn't all have the same political views and the same preferences for church styles and the same strengths and weaknesses. And, but they were still together. In fact, they were still better together. But how? How was this to be? How was it to be then? But how is it to be for us as we are a hodgepodge of people? In his letter to this church that he started, Paul addresses this diversity. Kind of gives us some pointers on what does this look like. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We'll start in verse uh, in chapter 12 and, and read a little, I think through 31 or so. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12 says this. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body. So it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. And we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it. So that there should be no division in the body but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all have the gifts of healing, do all speak in tongues, do all interpret? Now eagerly desire the greater gifts. This is not a picture of a group of people that are exactly alike in all aspects. We are truly better together when we have unity. Now notice something Very significant in what I just said there. We are better together when we have unity. Notice I didn't say we are better together when we have uniformity. To be honest though, uniformity would actually be a whole lot easier, right? Like the truth is, it's just easier and it's more fun to watch college football when you're surrounded by Buckeyes fans. And then you have people like Clint who come in and and think that they can just insert their opinion that the team up north is actually relevant somehow. And it makes things not as fun. It's just easier when it's just us Buckeyes guys. Am I right, Chris? Come on. It's just easier. It's just easier when there's uniformity. It's easy to be unified with those who think alike, who have the same beliefs, who look like you, who talk like you, act like you, were raised the same way as you, and have the same values as you, unity in that setting takes no work. (laughs) It's just easy. But that is not what the picture of the church is. In fact, Paul makes that very clear by using this illustration of a body to describe the picture of the church. 
If the body were an eye, where would the sense of smell be? Where would the sense of taste and hearing and touch be? Where would all of these other senses that make life so rich be if the entire body were an eye? If the whole body were a, was one part, it wouldn't, by definition, be a body. It would be that part. And body parts can't go around talking about how they don't need other body parts. Like the eye can't decide that it just doesn't need a hand. You ever tried to eat ribs with an eye? I haven't, but I would imagine that it's not very easy. Right? And nothing's going to stop me from eating my ribs. Have you ever tried to jog without legs? I haven't, but I would imagine that it's not very easy. Now, to be fair and to to clarify that, like, Having two legs doesn't actually help me jog either. But I'm just saying, (laughs) no legs would make it very difficult. (laughs) Paul, Paul says this is absurdity. It's unhealthy. It's not what we're aiming for as the bride and as the body of Christ. There's something beautiful when the whole body works together. There's something beautiful when the body finds unity even in the midst of diversity. And it's in the midst of this beautiful unity that Paul points to a few things that that ought to exist in the diversity of the body of Christ. First thing is this, we ought to realize that we need each other. There ought to be no isolation in the church. No thinking that my ministry is the end-all, be-all. No thinking that my viewpoint is the only right one. In order to be healthy, we need the work and the viewpoints that everyone contributes. Second thing is we ought to respect each other. Now, I love what Paul does here with this, this illustration, using the body as an illustration to make this point, the truth is, though, is that Paul wasn't the first one to come up with this illustration. This illustration had been used numerous times before. In fact, uh, Plato used a very similar picture. But what other people in, the, in there using this picture of a body, what they were working towards, what they were, what they were trying to prove and to show was this image of a hierarchy of body parts. Like they wanted to get to the idea that a head was needed to be in charge. And then as they would move down the body, down the list, it became a less important parts of the body. So it was like this hierarchy of body parts, starting with the head and moving its way down of this hierarchy of one body part being more important than the other body part. But Paul works to a completely different end here. He says, yes, we need a head, and that's what Christ is to our body. But beyond that, there's this equality amongst all of the other body parts. Every body part is on level playing field, even the spleen. I don't know what that is, but I hear it's not that significant, right, Becky? (laughs) She's like, "Uh, this isn't science class. I don't know what a spleen is, but it's important in this picture that Paul gives us of the body that every single part of your body is important and significant in those ones that have been made less significant in other ways we raise them up to be just as significant as every other body part we can't be whole and healthy if any part is left out and we can't be whole and healthy if any part doesn't function fully when I was in college I had two knee surgeries the first one I was playing uh, touch football in a indoor uh, roller hockey arena and I tore my ACL. I had surgery. I was at college at Mount Vernon and I I had surgery. They repaired it. Um, I was was in physical therapy and in physical therapy they had me doing lunges and I shattered my kneecap. And So I had to go back in. They had to go back in and put screws in my kneecap to hold it together. Two knee surgeries in a matter of uh, two months or so. I can't remember. Try to block it out of my memory. In the midst of this time, I had to wear uh, a leg immobilizer for about three and a half months. Big leg immobilizer. You can't bend your knee. I had to limp around everywhere I went. I walked with a limp for three, three and a half months. Well, guess what that did? It threw off my hip. To this day, however many 
I don't know how many years ago that was. 10, 15, wow, shoot, I'm old. 16 years ago, 15 years ago. Woof. Uh, 15, yeah. I still have problems with my hip at times because of those three and a half months where my, the rest of my body was compensating for a leg that just wasn't working. Paul says every body part is vital. And every body part is equally important to a whole and healthy body. Each person, every gift in the church is needed. We are truly better together. Last thing is we ought to sympathize with each other. Verse 25 and 26 says that we should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, the whole suffers. Likewise, if one is honored, the whole part rejoices. If we cannot see beyond ourselves, beyond our family circles, beyond our congregation, even beyond our denomination, we simply will not begin to grasp the real unity of the church and the power of Christ that comes from that unity. So in light of all this, Two simple questions for reflection. First, am I using my uniqueness and my gifts for the sake of the whole body? See, it's one thing to use those things. It's another thing to use them for the sake of the body. And the second is this. Am I allowing and even encouraging others to do the same? No, that's, that's great, Josh. Like, that's, that's, that's beautiful. Like, well done, Josh. But, like, let's be honest. This is a lot harder than what I'm making it sound here. Right? And even, even as I am preaching this, the, you guys, like, I know Paul says it frequently, but, like, it's real that, like, we don't have this figured out. Just because we're standing up here sharing, we don't have this figured out. This is hard stuff. It's easier said than done. How do we go about doing this? Again, uniformity would be the easier task. Something I noticed as I was reading this section in my preparation for this sermon, the section about the body and, and many parts seems to be bracketed by Paul by two concepts that I think help us out here. First, if we go back to the beginning of the, of the section that I read, Paul acknowledges and points out two major areas of diversity. When I say diversity, that might even be putting it a little bit mildly. That might be putting it nicely. He points out two major areas of division. And he says, Jew or Greek. And then he says, slave or free. Now, in our modern context, you can feel free to replace those two points of diversity with any one of the many points of diversity among us. It's easy to, to joke and to replace that with Ohio State and Michigan, right? Like, that's, that's an easy, low-hanging fruit joke. We can do that, but let's be very real. There are a whole lot of other significant points of diversity among us. Points that are not just diverse, but cause division. And so we can replace those ideas that Paul is putting in here with things in our life that cause division. Anyway, Paul points those out. He points out Jew and Greek and slave and free. And he says this, For we are all baptized by one Spirit, into one body. Our baptism, our identity, Jesus, it's the shared common purpose that we talked about last week in Koinonia. Our identity in Jesus, our, our working towards the same goal of Jesus, our baptism, our identity in Christ is our point of Unity, it's our shared purpose. In the midst of our biggest areas of diversity, whether in thoughts and values or in giftedness and skills, our baptism, 
Our identity in Christ is what unifies us. But again, that's hard, right? Like even with that knowledge, that's hard. The second bracket that I noticed when I was reading this, of this passage, gets very practical in how we do this. Notice, if you're in your Bible and you can look at this, notice what is immediately after this section. 1 Corinthians, guess what comes after 12? 13. Y'all know 1 Corinthians 13 because it's been said in every single wedding since the history of weddings. But what Paul's not doing here is writing this beautiful poem to be recited at weddings. He's not, he's not making this Etsy sign that can hang above your, your marriage bed. Like those are, those are okay things to use this, but that's not what Paul is doing here. It's right after this section where he's talking about community and unity, even in the midst of diversity, Paul says this. <laughs> and again, this is one of those points where like, I, I just always read over, but in this moment it stuck out. Before he even says, if I speak in tongues, look at what he says. Let me show you the most excellent way. <laughs> like given all of that difficulty about unity in the midst of diversity and in the midst of, of division and things that divide us, let me show you the most excellent way. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to the hardship that I may boast, but do not love, I gain nothing. If I do my thing, if I be my own body part, but do not have love, I'm simply a resounding gong and a clanging cymbal, and I gain nothing. But this is the way. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Love is simply the only way that we can successfully be unified in our diversity. It is the way we can be better together. It is the way of Christ. God, thank you for thank you for your love. Thank you that it is because of you that we know how to love. God, as we work through this idea that we are better together, and we believe it and we think that it's right and it's real, but the truth is, is that it is difficult at times. God, help us to, help us to look to Jesus as an example, a person who unified person of love. God, we, we pray that you would soften our hearts, soften our pride, our egos, that we would not look to just be uniform, that we would not just try to all look and think and act and talk exactly the same, but God, in the midst of our diversity, we would celebrate that diversity as 
it is how you have created us. And may we cling to the truth that we are baptized in Christ, that our identity is in Christ. May we cling to that truth. May that be our unifying cry, our shared purpose, our shared theme. And God, may we do it all in love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed.